Welcome to the Tiara's Tears and Triumphs show, a safe place for women to heal and grow, where we discover our value, share our tears as we go through the hard times and rise up as we become empowered to meet our challenges head on. On this week's episode of Tiara's Tears and Triumphs, we're going to talk about the three biggest mistakes that women make when they break up with an abusive partner. Breaking up a relationship because it has broken down and you feel that you have no option left but to leave that relationship can be hard. It can even be bittersweet, even when the person that you are breaking up with has been abusive to you. The end of your relationship can bring with it difficult and painful feelings. And you may be left feeling conflicted, confused, and shameful, maybe even feeling like it is somehow your fault. So you may even go so far as to include the abuse in that you blame yourself for it. And it's not as if just because you have ended the relationship that you are guaranteed of having a clean break. Maybe you are still at risk of experiencing more abuse. Maybe you have children together with this person and you are obligated either legally or motivated by feelings of obligation to continue to have to deal with this person because they still have access to the children. And maybe you have been codependent on this person with any number areas of your life and you still feel compelled to keep ties with this person because of this codependence. Whatever your reasons, moving forward can seem difficult and overwhelming for many, many different reasons. So let's unlock the door on today's episode and take a look at the three biggest mistakes that women make when they break up with an abusive partner. Just a caution, if you feel unsafe at any time, please stop listening. You can come back anytime you are in a safe place to listen to the rest of the podcast. Your safety is the most important thing to consider. Okay, the first thing I want to say is that we often learn from our mistakes. So in a way, mistakes are opportunities in disguise, but mistakes can be painful and mistakes can be costly. And ending a relationship is painful It is confusing and it is disillusioning at times. And in the case of leaving an abusive partner, fear of the repercussions from breaking away can be at the top of your list of concerns. That's why this episode focuses on the three common mistakes that women make when leaving an abusive partner. So at the end of the day, we don't know what we don't know. And unless we are able to tap into information that we need to understand what it is that we need to know, then chances are good that we will only learn by going through painful mistakes. 
That's the way I learned and that's the way many other women learn too. And I wanted to create something to just improve the odds for women and that's why I put together this episode on the podcast. So the aim of this podcast, Yara's Tears and Triumphs, is to help women who are or have been in an abusive relationship for them to be able to tap into resources whenever it is safe for them to do so, so that this will help them to heal their head, their heart and their hip pocket. I want to provide a safe space for women to get support with the challenges that they face. So knowing that abusive relationships play with your head and play havoc with your nervous system, that they break your heart and make you question your worth and they hit your hip pocket hard, causing a loss of security with all of the ingredients being just this recipe to hold women back from moving forward because they are caught in a web of fear, doubts and uncertainty. Now, this episode came about because I was reminded this week in a conversation that I had with someone who is breaking away from an abusive relationship of just how many doubts creep in to make you second guess yourself and your judgment about your need to leave. When you are in this situation, these doubts can very quickly cloud over the reasons why you have gotten to this point where you feel that there is no alternative left but to leave. And when you do leave, you will be faced with many, many more doubts. That's why the focus is on the common mistakes to help you get the clarity that you need to stay strong in these times where you feel like caving in. Now, the first mistake women make when leaving an abusive relationship is not understanding the dynamics of domestic abuse. So, You deserve kindness, you deserve love, and you deserve respect. But apologies and promises to never do that thing that they did again will make you second guess yourself. So you may even feel as though it's your job to rescue them and this sense of responsibility towards them that you are feeling will make you feel as though you have made the wrong choice and you may either go back to that person or at least give them an opportunity to try and fulfil their promises. So that may already be ringing very true. Now, if you don't understand the dynamics of domestic abuse, you are not alone. So when you are black and blue from physical injuries caused by domestic abuse, it is black and white that it is domestic violence. There's absolutely no sugarcoating physical violence. It is irrefutably violent behaviour. But when it comes to many other forms of abuse, it is a big area of grey, which is the number one reason why women stay in a cycle of abuse. 
because they often don't identify with the relationship being an abusive relationship in the first place. So rather than look at, you know, this label of an abusive relationship, you may be leaving your relationship because your relationship is far from being healthy. So it, when you listen to this episode and you see examples of the red flags of what the dynamics of abuse are, then you may, after leaving a relationship, then hear an episode on what, you know, constitutes an abusive relationship and you might identify with it and say, wow, that's exactly what was happening in my relationship and I didn't even think that I was in an abusive relationship and this happens so much of the time for women who leave relationships and they're not even even conscious and this is another reason why women will bounce from one abusive relationship into another so I really like looking at relationships as being healthy or unhealthy so and if you're in an abusive relationship it's going to be an unhealthy relationship so if there are abusive behaviors in your relationship that have brought you to the brink then this is a clear sign that you are in an abusive relationship. So abuse is ultimately about exerting power and control. Or what is perhaps easier to identify with is just looking at examples of times where you have been made to feel powerless and like you have no control over your life. You don't even know who you are anymore because that person person has eroded your self-esteem, has made you feel less than because, you know, they've labelled you with all these horrible things. Now, that, that is what abusive behaviour looks like. So if the abusive behaviour stem from an addiction that your partner or ex-partner has, whether it be to, uh, an addiction to drugs or an addiction to alcohol or maybe an addiction to porn or gambling, there are many, many different forms of addiction, but you may see the addiction as being the root cause. And you might make excuses for your partner and say, well, if my partner, it's only when my partner is high as a kite that my partner behaves that way. Or it's only when my partner is on a drinking binge that he behaves that way or it's only you know when my partner is consumed with looking at pornography that he behaves that way and so you separate that from your partner and you can use it as a justification or a reason why your partner is behaving a certain way so you think it's only this thing that's making my partner be like that so the reason why I bring this up too is because it was absolutely certainly the case for me. It made me feel so confused every time. I knew that the addiction was driving the abusive behaviour and I knew that the addiction was harming my then partner and I knew that that addiction had a hold on him and this knowledge made me soften each time because I felt a massive responsibility to care for him, knowing that 
the addiction that he had was like a sickness that he wasn't in control of. But in doing this, I would continue to compromise my needs and my children's needs. And I will do another episode on addictive behaviour and addictions because, um, because that's a very complex area and it is a, a, one of those areas where women are really at risk of being um, compromised, confused, conflicted, and um, it can keep them very strongly in that loop of abuse. So, um so because this his addiction was it wasn't only I could see it wasn't only destroying his life it was also destroying our lives so so we will do that in another episode I will definitely go into addiction and um and how the part that addiction plays in abusive relationships so I'm just going to now just give you a very quick rundown on the other forms of abuse other than physical abuse, which people just, everybody knows, right. If a woman has been physically harmed by her partner, that's 100% abusive behaviour. But what about all these others? If you just see if you identify with any of these. So there's sexual abuse, there's sexual coercion. So it's not just clear cut sexual abuse. It could be that you have been coerced into doing something sexual that you really didn't want to do. There's also reproduction, reproductive coercion too. So that's another area. Psychological or emotional abuse is a massive area that um, that is one of those main areas where women have no idea that the behaviours, the psychological and emotionally abusive behaviours that have been happening in their relationship actually are abusive behaviours. If you just think about the, the whole thing being about power and control, and if you see that you have lost control because of the, these things happening in your life, then that will be a very strong hint that that has been an, a pattern of abuse that is in that relationship. There's verbal abuse. There's financial or material abuse. And this is a big one. 99% of women who experience abuse in their relationships will also experience financial abuse. And why? Because we need money to exist in life. We need money to be empowered in our lives because we can't have the fundamentals without money in the society that we live in. So this is why it's such a big area of abuse because when the control is taken away from a woman with finance and um, that, that is one very, very clear-cut way to disempower a woman um, and keep her stuck in that cycle of abuse. Maybe you've been experienced that and you've thought, I just can't take this relationship anymore. I can't keep doing this. 
I really need to leave, but I just can't because I can't, I don't have any money. I just don't even have enough to get together to get the bond for another, for a rental property or, you know, the, the bond in the first month's rent and enough to cover the cost of the removalists and how am I going to manage paying for a, a place on my own? How am I going to keep a roof over my head and the children's heads? How am I going to be able to cope financially on my own when I've got nothing and I've been completely disempowered? Very, very common for women to experience this. It doesn't mean that it's not possible to get out and it's not possible to stand up, but you may not know that there are ways to get support to do that first critical um, the most important thing to break away, which is to get into your own place. There's um, often there's funding that you can tap into, but you won't be able to access this type of support unless you go in through um, through not for profits, um, whether it's charities who are helping in this area of homelessness and housing or whether it's going in through a domestic violence support service. So I'm not a first responder. I can't help women on that level, but I can, you know, what I want to do and what I do um, in my area where I live is I, I can provide a place for women to come and get um, a break away from their situation for them to be able to uh, draw their breath, to relax, to know, get a sense of what self-care looks like again and to reset and get some strength back to um, do those difficult things that they need to do to remove themselves from that situation and get um, started and start taking care of themselves again so tapping into the right supports and everything but I'm I'm not one of those first responders that can help women in that way with the fi the financial um, capacity to support them with things but there are definitely lots of supports out there and uh, the best place to start looking is to go through specialist domestic violence services and just let them know quite clearly that you have nothing financially you're really struggling they are very um, accustomed to this issue of financial distress that comes from uh, being in a cycle of abuse and so they're very um, that they get lots of funding opportunities to help women in this way. So please don't think that there's nothing, no way that you can get out. And I say that because, you know, I say these things from my, my experience that often I learned, had to learn the hard way because I um, had to make the mistakes before I actually stumbled on the right supports to get my strength back to start rebuilding my life again. So that's why I provide this resource with all this information to hopefully help you to know that you can access the right support and that when you do access the right support, then you are going to get 
back up on your feet again. So just continuing on, and I'm going to speak more to that just in a minute, but just continuing on for a moment with the different forms of abuse. Now, one that is actually really... Um, I guess it's like at pandemic, you know, levels these days is digital abuse. Um, this is something that um, is very, very common that partners will um, hack into um, accounts, whether it's social media accounts or bank accounts, or there's a lot of uh, also there's, you know, we'll, we'll get on to, you know, stalking is the next on the list and stalking, there's a lot of stalking that will be using technology um, when it comes to spyware, um, things like that, where you're not even aware that there might be a spyware app on your telephone or um, in your car or in your home and um, that, you know, these sorts of things are rife in abusive relationships. So if you, I'll just give you an example. So if you suspect something like you're like, ah, oh, how does he know where I am all the time? How is he keeping tabs on me with this sort of thing? How does he know who I'm talking to on my phone? How does he know, you know, who's text messaging me? and what what they're text messaging me about you know like uh, you know how's he looking at all this stuff when um I don't really think he's like picking up my phone every five minutes and looking at it it's more than likely that you've got spyware on your device take you uh, if you suspect that this is something that's happening to you then go to the police and seek some support from the police um, with that issue. It's a very serious issue. Stalking is very serious. It's a, um, a, a very, like if you're looking at the, the steps or the ladder of abuse, when stalking behaviours are there, it really spells danger. Um, so it's um, very good to go and take precautions straight away if you see that there's that kind of spying, stalking behaviour going on for you in your relationship. Another, you know, a few different types of abuse, um, modern slavery, that's very um, clear cut, I think, type of abuse that people recognise but can go on underneath our noses and um, we may not be that aware that's happening. So discriminatory abuse is, is rife in our society and, you know, it shouldn't be because we're, we're a human race, we're all the same. Um, so, uh, and then there's organisational or institutional abuse too and, that, that you know, that goes into that area of workplace bullying um, and there can be, you know, obviously like sexual abuse can come into that where there's inappropriate behaviours that go on in the workplace and um, that I won't speak to so much. Um, there are definitely experts out there who work in this particular area and you should have a human resources um, manager at your place of work that you can talk to um, if you are experiencing any forms of abuse within your workplace. Again, you should you deserve to be treated with respect and kindness. 
um, wherever you are, whether you're in your workplace, whether you're in your home or whether you're just out and about in your community. So abuse can take place anywhere. It can take place at home. It can take place in your relationships. Maybe it's something that you've grown up with in your family. And if it is something that you've experienced growing up with as a child, then um, there's a good chance that you will encounter more abuse in your adulthood as you work out um, you know, what healthy boundaries look like because you haven't had an opportunity to learn that in your childhood. So um, you may fall into an abusive relationship in, in your adulthood um, and it repeats itself. Doesn't mean that it has to continue forever. There's definitely opportunities every single day to, to change it yourself to change what you are doing in your life so don't feel um, bad about your past um, you can only work with your present and you can only work in the present with what you know so if you haven't known how to do things differently then you know you are where you are but when there's an opportunity presented where you have Trial and error is a great thing. Don't get me wrong. You know, like it can be a great thing. And because when you you try something, if, if you don't try something, then you're not ever going to like gain anything because you're not doing anything differently. But when you're prepared to try something and do something differently, you have the opportunity to move forward. So trial and error is not a bad thing, but the purpose of this episode is to try to help you to avoid making painful mistakes that can be avoided if you have the right information. So that's the exact purpose of this episode is I'm just trying to make things a bit easier for you because I'm I'm not going to be able to take away all your challenges and make them just magically disappear. But I can hopefully give you some tips and some resources to help you to navigate those challenges really well. So yeah, so abuse can happen anywhere. It can happen within families. It can happen within friendships. Um, and it can take place just in your community or in your workplace. You never know um, where abuse may crop up. It is is everywhere and can happen anywhere and uh, for you in your life. So the more that you understand, though, about all the different forms of abuse, the more you'll be able to get clear on whether these things are things that you have experienced or that you are experiencing and then you can take some action to change it. So really good questions to ask yourself are what did my partner do to hurt me or to control me? And another thing that you can ask yourself is how did this impact me? So when you answer these questions, then you will understand your why, why you have got to this place of needing to leave. So, and not only will you gain more of an understanding to reinforce to you that your reason for leaving, but the more strength you will have to 
create healthy boundaries and to keep those healthy boundaries in place when you leave because that's going to be the next challenge. The first challenge is actually actually removing yourself. The next challenge is how do you keep boundaries to keep yourself safe? So one way to achieve this is to keep a journal to process your feelings and memories. So that's this is in answer to those questions that I just asked. So I'll repeat them. So what did my partner do to hurt me or control me? So just ask yourself that question. Write that down in your journal and then just sit with that and see what comes up for you. And then also ask yourself, how did this impact me? So journaling is great, okay, but what I want you to be mindful of in this process is to be sure to be super kind and easy on yourself, okay, because um, you may feel really bad and maybe ashamed, feeling a bit ashamed about the things that you've been through, somehow feeling as though these things are your fault and or, you know, feeling bad and hard on yourself because, you know, you haven't had a picture-perfect relationship. So does that mean that there's some flaw in yourself that, you know, needs to be addressed? Um, so I want you to just be super kind to yourself while you're going through this having this kind of self-reflection can be really challenging and um it's also it may be reliving traumas of things that you've experienced and um when when you are in an abusive relationship and when you are in a Base of needing to tap into support from support services, one of the biggest, most confronting things that you need to do is read the retelling of your story, the retelling of what you've been through. Because every time you deal with somebody else, you need to be able to basically summarize for them what it is that the things that you have experienced to give them a sense of the just how much support you need right now the urgency of what you need the um the great, you know, like the great need that you have for them to step in and give you support and assistance that you cannot do without this. And, you know, when you go and seek help and support like this, it can make you feel like you're having a loss of dignity because you are needing to talk to somebody about all the horrible stuff that has been going on for you in your life. And, um, and this is personal. This is personal and it's painful. And you don't want to be having to, um, you know, really make yourself that vulnerable where you're having to bear your heart and your soul each time you have these conversations to somebody you've never even met before. So it takes an, an enormous amount of um, 
you know, courage to be able to have these conversations. But just know that women are broken down by abusive relationships and um, and I know that you probably feel like you don't even have a voice and that if you say something, no one's going to really hear you or they're not going to take you seriously, um, you know, so, you know, why why would you put yourself, you know, through all that added pain of going and talking to somebody else? Another thing that I was reminded of just recently too is that um, particularly, say, if you're a mother, and you have a need to get support from the police then automatically as soon as you get support from police then they will do a check through um, child protection services just to make sure that the children are okay now if you stay in that abusive relationship and you have children and you continue to call the police out and then um, child protection will step in and they'll take your children away from you because they want you to remove yourself from that relationship so that you are not putting yourself, you know, in harm's way or putting your children in harm's way anymore. So, um, you know, if you're listening to this and you're early on in the cycle of abuse and you've had the police involved and you've had child protection involved, just know that, um, you know, that services, you know, they want to help you to get out because they know that your best chance of, um, of not being hurt is to get away from this person. So there's, you know, like that they just they they need you to go through that actual physical, you know, the physically hard thing. And you know, there's so many complexities that um, you know, services, you know, don't understand perhaps or don't take into consideration enough with how difficult it is for women to actually leave a cycle of abuse. But um you know, it can take a long time and it can take a lot of things to actually get to that point of being able to leave. Um, and it might be that you, you know, like you need to leave because suddenly, you know, like things have escalated and it's moved from that area of being um, emotionally abusive and sexually abusive and financially abusive and it's just ramped up and it's become physically abusive and you know that your life is very much at risk, then that's the time where, you know, like you will draw that line in the sand and say, you know, I can't, I just can't stay um, because I need to physically get myself out of harm's way. So, all right, we're going to continue on. It's a really challenging topic this week, but it's a really important topic because it is about your safety, okay? It's about your safety and it's about helping you not to make mistakes that are going to be really costly and painful for you. So when you are, um, 
you know, writing, okay, into your journal. Um, but just before I say that, I just wanted to say counselling, okay, please tap into counselling support. If you are still in that abusive relationship, if you can tap into some counselling support to help you, they're going to be a massive help in helping you navigate your way through this really complex time that you're going through. Um, but they are amazing too on the other side of coming out of an abusive relationship. Counselling support is so important. So now with this journaling exercise where I've asked you these two questions so the first question being what did my partner do to hurt or control me and the second one being how did this impact on me so the object of this exercise is to help you get out of that gray murky mire of uncertainty where you've been feeling conflicted and confused and second guessing yourself to get you to a place where you are clear about why you need to give yourself this opportunity to stop being mistreated by the person who claimed to love you. The object is not to beat yourself up for getting into that relationship or into a place of self-condemnation. Remember that mistakes are opportunities in disguise. So this time now where you are allowing yourself to explore what you went through is an opportunity to remember what brought you to this point of needing to break away from this person. And remember, this is also an opportunity for them, but it is not your job to tell them that this is their objective, okay? It is your right to hold them accountable for their actions, but it's not your job to try and change them. So the most effective change for each of us comes from our own self-awareness. So when they have time and space away from you, they effectively have been given an opportunity for self-awareness to arise from within them. So save yourself the heartache of trying to break through to them about the potential change for the better that you see for them if they change. They are adults and just as you are responsible for your life, they too are responsible for theirs. So the next mistake that women make when leaving an abusive relationship is that they neglect their self-care and they don't get support. So I've already covered a bit on support and I'll probably say a few more things about that too. But firstly, like, boy, oh boy, was I guilty of making this mistake. And I'm super compassionate towards myself about this now, knowing that I did what I felt I had to do at the time because I was in survival mode. So I pushed myself beyond all reasonable limits, both physically and emotionally. Um, at the time, I was a smoker. I smoked because smoking was my go-to for stress relief or so I thought and so I told myself. And there was absolutely no way that I felt able to contemplate kicking that habit when my life was in pieces and every ounce of my energy was being put into trying to keep the kids and I safe 
and keep a roof over our heads and keep food on the table and keep bills paid. I was just so stressed out for such a long time. And although I didn't recognise it at the time, I was also deep down, I was beating myself up um, because I was ashamed for having got involved with someone who clearly used and abused me right from the first time that we started going out together. So I pushed myself far, far harder than I needed to do. I just, um, I went into doing mode and I did this thinking and believing that this was my lot in life, believing that if I didn't do something, no one else was going to do it. And that meant pushing myself to the absolute brink physically. So at the height of all the stress, I was I was 54 kilograms and there was just nothing of me. And my, my chronic pain levels were... They were a nine out of 10 most days. I was lucky to have one pain-free day a month. So self-care just wasn't on my schedule, not at all, not any day of the week. Um, Surviving, that was on my schedule every minute of the day. And maybe this is the same for you too. Maybe all of your energy is going into surviving. If I could do things differently now, if uh, back then I, you know, I would do things differently with what I know now, but I can't turn back the clock, okay? Um, And I can't get this message to you, so I can get this message to you rather, um, so that you can arm yourself with the power of support and self-care. So you don't need to continue to push yourself beyond all reasonable limits, but you will see the benefit of tapping into support and actually carving out some time for self-care. So I want you to just remember that analogy of the aeroplane emergency drill that um, I often refer to. So when you're going through the aeroplane emergency drill that, you know, not that people have been doing too much travelling over the last few years, although that's all starting to happen again, but you're told to put on, you know, if there's an emergency that you need to put your oxygen mask on first before you help anyone else with theirs. So that's what I want you to remember, that you have to put your oxygen mask on first every single day. So don't wait until the end of the day. Don't wait until you're completely, you know, like exhausted and but self-care and remember, it's self-care is not once in a blue moon thing that you need to do. It's something you need to do every day. You don't get up in the morning and say, oh, well, today I'm not going to breathe. I'll leave that for mm, once in a blue moon. No. <laughs> you know, you get up and you breathe. You don't stop breathing. So what is something that you can do to build into your day every single day to breathe more life into yourself. So for me, it's morning meditation, shower and a walk. And that gets me started off on the right foot. So if 
I had more hours in the day, which none of us do. We've all got the same amount of hours. I do more, but I know that this little routine, that that is what I can work into my day every day and it is doing something for myself at the beginning of the day, putting my self-care first before I get on with everything else that needs to be done in the day. So what is it for you? I want you to make it simple, make it regular and make it intentional. So getting support is just as important as incorporating self-care into your day. So get the self-care thing right, but get support on top of it. To do the self-care is fantastic because you are going to be helping your overall health and you're going to be helping your overall ability to navigate your challenges because you're going to be breathing life into yourself. So that's super important that you do that and don't neglect it. And getting the right level of support can make the difference between you breathing short, sharp breaths that are fueled by anxiety and you taking nice, long, deep breaths that stem from feeling in control and feeling supported. So it's natural for women to become isolated in abusive relationships and the conflicted emotions that you are going through when you break away can keep you in that same isolation even though you're not in that relationship anymore. So maybe you're like me and you don't want to burden people with your problems. I certainly didn't want to do this and I was also very afraid of being judged for getting into this situation, Um, feelings of failure and they were there and, um, you know, and those feelings that there might be some massive character flaw in me held me back from sharing the challenges that I was facing. Plus, you know, who likes to whinge about their problems? You sort of think, people don't really want to hear somebody whinging about their problems. So um, for me, I, you know, I kind of thought, well, you know, if I don't talk about it, you know, it's not going to fix it Uh, anyway. If I'm talking about it, like the people that I'd be talking to, they really couldn't really help me to change my situation. Um, So maybe it's better if I just don't say anything and I just get on with it and I try and figure things out on my own. I mean, you know, I'm an intelligent woman. I should be able to find all the answers to all my problems on my own, right? (laughs) Maybe, maybe, maybe. But it's a hell of a lot easier to uh, to talk to people with experience and get their support to find the solutions a hell of a lot quicker. So um, this is the reason to talk to people and to know the right people to talk to. So... um, it's right you're right in thinking that not everybody can help me with my situation and so that's when it does become you know like you're having a whinge which you know like um you do need to get things off your chest it's no good suppressing everything but this is where counseling is fantastic because 
that can be your release. Journaling is also very good for unburdening yourself of all of the stuff that you are carrying around with you in your life. Uh, But when it comes to moving forward, that happens with the right support. So that's where the specialist services come in. That's where people with experience who have lived with through the things that you are living and experiencing, they've come out the other side. That is what, you know, where you'll get the support that you need to move forward. So I want you to start with writing a list of who you can talk to. Not everyone will be right for you to talk to about your challenges, as I said, and not everyone will have empathy for what you're going through. Not everyone will understand. You know, I mean, this is really complex stuff that you're dealing with. Not everyone has the lived experience of what you're going through. So experts are people who have experienced the things that you are experiencing but are further ahead than you are and have learned what needs to be learned to overcome a particular problem or set of problems, okay? So you may need a group of supports who are specialists in different areas, So you might need a counsellor who specialises in domestic abuse. You might need a financial counsellor to help you with the financial stuff. You might need a good friend, you know, um, who has great empathy and is just a great listener and, you know, who can say, look, you know, I'd love to help. What do you need? And then you're able to tell that friend, this is what I need right now. And it might be just that you need to know that you can talk to this person when you're having a day where you just are not feeling great and, you know, things are feeling overwhelming for you. You might need that friend for a laugh. You know, you might need that friend just to go for a walk and have a talk with you. So you might need to have a domestic abuse support social worker. You might need a life coach. You may need the support of loved ones. So let people know what support you need and see if they are able to meet that need or if they know anyone else who can. This is especially true for in that area of domestic um, abuse support services. Be clear with them about the things that you need right now because they will more than likely either be able to help you themselves or direct you to another service that can help meet that need. And don't forget, I've got a crisis support list that you can access in the episode notes and I have a couple of one-on-one sessions to help you when you have left that relationship and you need breakthroughs to help you start piecing your life back together again. Um, The crisis support list is an Australian support list. Uh, If you are in another country, then please um, have a look at my crisis support list and look for similar services in your country. So you could look up those services and see what they provide and then do a search for a similar support service in your area. But please do not go on without support if you need support. Okay. 
So they're the, the, the two mistakes, but their third mistake, the last mistake that women make is not having a safety plan. So my number one number one message to women is that their safety comes first. So I want you to put your safety first. You cannot and will not experience any peace of mind without this. So your goal is to feel safe physically and emotionally. The most effective safety plan takes into account the specific, unique barriers each survivor faces. So think about what you are most concerned about. For example, if your ex is harassing or stalking you after you break up, you may need to decide what steps you will take to stay safe. So what this might look like is blocking your ex on social media, saving screenshots of harassing or threatening texts to document your abuse and share this with the authorities that are supporting you, um, taking steps to secure your home, keeping a stalking log, changing your routine, filing a police report or seeking a protective order, and when it comes to your emotional safety, being aware of your triggers is really important. Um, so when we're talking about our like emotional safety and those triggers, there's real fear and there's perceived fear. So perceived fear is fearing things that might happen and Perceived fears may often be founded on things that have likely happened in past experiences or that could be because of threats that you have received. So maybe that action hasn't been followed through with and that you haven't actually had, you know, gone experienced that, but the threat of that action has been made and that can be just as concerning. And these types of things can hold you ransom just as much as real fear. So have a think about what triggers you. Is it a song or is it being alone or is it an anniversary or old texts? When you understand your triggers, this can help you with processing your feelings and taking the proper steps to take care of yourself. If you feel overwhelmed, talk to a friend who understands what you're going through or counsellor, therapist or a life coach. You might feel really compelled to reach out to your ex when you're feeling, you know, um, triggered emotionally and just know that that is completely normal. There'll be, there'll be a phase that you'll go through in that transition of leaving that relationship where you will, it's because we're creatures of habit, we, even though our habit has been a bad habit, we'll still feel a compulsion to continue doing it because it's what we know to be normal because that's something that we've been doing over and over again. So just like me with the smoking, you know, like smoking was not doing me uh, any good physically. Um, 
but I still had that strong compulsion. And I think that compulsion lasted for probably about a year after I stopped smoking, where I would still really strongly crave cigarettes. Now, I can't even imagine myself being a smoker. So it's just remembering that this transition time of you leaving your relationship, that it's very, very normal for you to feel a compulsion to get back in contact with that person, even if that person has done the most horrendous things to you, you will still feel a strong compulsion to do that. There's a thing called trauma bonding, but I'm not even going to go into trauma bonding right now. I just, you know, putting it in more simple terms that we will have this compulsion just because of the habit that we have been in of that person being our connection, our emotional connection, the person that we talk to, and we, we're still feeling that connection. Even though we've removed ourselves from that person, that connection is still so strong. We have to give ourselves time for that connection to um, to get less and less and less and less, which it will over time, but it does take time and you have to be aware of that. When you understand your why, why you've left, that this will help you to create boundaries, to help you to restrain yourself from contacting your ex in those times where you have this massively strong compulsion to talk to them. So one woman, woman that I know um, who's a survivor, she, what she did, her technique for getting through this compulsion, and she's very, very self-aware um, person and she leads a very healthy lifestyle, but it didn't make this any easier with this compulsion. This compulsion would still come in for her and she would still feel this pull for her to get in contact with her ex. And so what she would do every time she had this compulsion to either speak to him by calling him or to leave a text message or, you know, voice message, what she would do is she would go and she would jump on her trampoline every single time she felt this compulsion. And that worked because what she was doing is she was creating a new habit. So, oh, the compulsion's there. Okay, well, I'm going to do this. I'm going to go and do a completely different thing, but this is going to be the new training that I'm going to replace, that I'm developing. This is my go-to and I am going to resist those urges to get in contact. So have a think about what it is that you can do. Set yourself up now for what can you do when those moments come along because they will they will come along over and over. And like I said, it doesn't matter how hard, you know, he might be making your life. It doesn't matter how, how horrible the things are that he's done to you in the past. That compulsion, that connection will still be there and it will only fade as time goes by. So have a think. Is there something that you can do to help yourself get through that strong emotional pull to contact your ex? So you may have a need to still communicate because you have children, okay? 
but there are many official ways to communicate these days where all communication is logged so that you are both effectively accountable for the type of communication that you have with each other. And that this keeps things much more purposeful. So, right, the communication is about contact with children. That's all we're going to discuss. And we're going to discuss it via this log and it's in writing. So we're both accountable for that conversation that we've had with each other. So look to do that. You can connect with this either through um, through legal channels, through counselling or via a domestic abuse support services. There's probably more avenues for you to connect with these, um, these modes of keeping everything logged. For, yeah, they, it's fantastic, the systems that they have in place now. They have done this to help. They know how... Um, how easily things flare up in communication. And so they've created, I guess it's like a capsule that, that holds everybody and it holds everybody accountable at once. So it's really good because it helps to keep you in check when you are feeling highly emotional and you feel, you're feeling like you just want to express those feelings that you have to that person. It helps you to keep that in check so that you're keeping on point to um, making sure that the contact that your ex-partner has with the children is healthy and safe for the children and, you know, meets that purpose of keeping a relationship going so long as that relationship is a healthy relationship, so long as he's not um, being abusive towards the children. So certainly don't tolerate do not put up with any mistreatment of your children by your ex-partner. Certainly seek the help, hold him accountable for anything that he has done or is threatening to do to the children. Don't stand by and think that you're powerless to do anything about it. So if you value your need to disconnect, to break that codependency pattern of being in the habit of having a free flow of communication with each other, then what you can do to stop yourself, um, just think, ask yourself, what can you do to stop yourself when you feel yourself weakening? Okay. Have that trick up your sleeve, pull that card out when you need it. So one of the things that has kept you in the relationship is fear of the repercussions of leaving. And this is massive, okay? So you will be asking yourself things like, what will he do when you leave? You know, what, what's he going to do? And, uh, you know, what is he prone to do? So, um, you know, guaranteed he will do all he can to make you feel responsible for what he feels um, driven to do because you have removed yourself from the relationship. So that would have been the pattern in the relationship that anytime he was driven to do anything harmful, that somehow he would be trying to make you feel responsible for that. So whether that is harm to himself, whether he's, you know, actually self-harming or threatening to self-harm, or he is threatening to harm you, your children, your belongings, or other areas of your life, or is going to do that. All of those things are going to be playing in your mind. Um, and you know, 
you know because you've lived this that you're not in control of how he reacts when you draw that line in the sand and you leave him, that he's going to do what he's going to do. You're not going to be in control of it, but you are frightened about the potential of what he's going to do. And don't dismiss this. You take that in, into consideration. It is a very real consideration, and this is the reason why like I said, with one of the biggest mistakes is you need to seek support because you are going to need support. You are going to need a safety plan. You do need to be aware of the patterns of abuse and you know your partner. You know what your partner's capable of. You've lived these experiences. So don't dismiss them. Be very mindful of them and look at what you need to do to get the right level of support for you to be able to navigate any challenges that arise on the other side when you actually leave that person. So, you know, I can't, as I said, I can't wave a magic wand and tell you that, you know, you, you're going to be able to 100% avert any crisis, okay? What you're going to do is you're going to have your best chance of having the appropriate support in place to be able to navigate that crisis and get through the other side of anything that might happen. So you've got to put your safety first. You've got to tap into support. And if that means involving domestic abuse specialist services to help you form a safety plan, then do it. If you don't know what a safety plan is, if you don't know what a safety plan looks like, if you don't know with your situation what sort of things you should be factoring into your safety plan, speak to a specialist domestic abuse service to ask them for help with this it is not an easy thing putting together a safety plan. It's I had a list when I had my safety plan. What I, one of the things that I did, um, which I'm very happy to share with you, is that I created a list of all of my critical contacts for my children. So I had like a a big board and it had important phone numbers on it and who those important phone numbers were for. Now, the children were quite young, but they were old enough to be able to read and old enough to be able to use a phone if anything were to happen to me, that they would have this list to refer to, to be able to make those calls to people so that they would not be on their own, not knowing what to do or who to talk to. So that is just an example of something that um, goes into a safety plan. So in the worst case scenario, if something were to happen, what do I need to think about? And just give that some thought because you already have those thoughts in your head of, you know, what could potentially arise when you leave the abusive relationship or if you've left the abusive relationship. So that's the place, all those fears that you have, just explore what do I need to feel safe if that was to happen? What is going to help me to navigate that crisis or, you know, potentially avert that crisis if I've got the right sorts of things there to, you know, know I need to call this person straight away. I need to do this. You know, these are my steps. I need to have a bag 
you know, ready at the door. I need to keep my important documentation um, in a in a place. I need to get leave a copy of my important documentation documentation with, you know, a, a family member that you trust, you know, so that um, if you lose the originals, you've got copies. They're the sorts of things to think about with safety planning and um and just it's it's like having a bit of insurance without it being an insurance broker but you become your own insurance broker and you you navigate you know what insurance you need um in case something is to happen okay now I just want to go back to my point about the risk of your partner doing something to either threaten to self-harm or harm you in some way um, and how this will make you feel disempowered and um, that this is his aim, okay, and this is why he does this. So this is the time where you need to gently remind yourself that it's normal to feel like you're in a hole in your life when you, you know, or fall into a hole, you know, in your life when you break up with someone that you've been in a relationship with. It's it, so it's normal for him to be having, you know, sort of, you know, I guess desperate times, you know, call for desperate measures. And that's, that's so when people are feeling desperate, that's when people do desperate things or they threaten to do desperate things. So you're definitely going to be leaving a big hole in his life by removing yourself from the relationship. It's just there's no other way to do it. You can't, you know, leave and not leave a hole, okay? But you know, just it is also painful for you and, you know, you're also going to have that hole in your life and that's what I was talking about before with this compulsion that you're going to have because he's still got the connection but you've still got the connection as well. So it's going to be painful for both of you, okay, but your path to healing your life is your responsibility, okay, and his path to healing his life is his responsibility. It's not yours. So try to just lighten your load of carrying that responsibility towards him, okay? So you've tried to help him a thousand times before and it hasn't been a catalyst for the healing that he needs to do in his life. So, and that's no failure, you know, no failing on your part. It's absolutely no failing on your part. We all have opportunities and if he if he chooses not to take an opportunity, that's his choice, okay, but you've given him plenty of opportunities to have the support, your support, to help him make changes to his life that might be challenging. He hasn't taken up those opportunities. You have to save yourself, okay? You have to save yourself. You have to save your children, and that's what's brought you to the point where you need to leave this relationship, so you have tried to help him a thousand times over. Remember, you're putting your oxygen mask on so you can heal your life. And if you're a mother, you're doing this so that you can be all that you can be for your children. Because if you go down, then who takes care of the kids? So you're doing what you need to do. And um, 
and you don't hold a crystal ball for the future and you just need to do what you need to do to take care of you know your life and your children's lives and the rest is not up to you in terms of taking responsibility for him so you're both adults and you both have a responsibility to put your own oxygen masks on so you leaving is his opportunity in disguise to have the space that he needs to come to his own realisations and have an opportunity to take responsibility for the direction of his life. So will this be painful for him? Yes, most likely, but it is painful for you too. Just remember that everything is a process and when you transition from being in a relationship to breaking up, to finding your feet again, to rediscovering who you are on the other side, you know, when you're on your own, it's challenging for everyone. So when you're journaling, write down all that has happened that has brought you to this point of having to remove yourself from this relationship. If everything was healthy in your relationship, you would not be contemplating leaving or you wouldn't have left. It was toxic. It was unhealthy. There were abusive behaviours that happened repeatedly that brought you to this point. So get clear on what things happened that made you come to this point of going through this major upheaval and remind yourself at those times where you are questioning whether you have made the right choice with leaving, okay? For example, at least now I won't have put up with him drinking himself into an absolute stupor where he gets angry and abusive, okay? So if that's if there's alcohol involved, you know, maybe that's what you're thinking, like, you know, I'm going to be free of that. Or at least now I won't have to worry about him going on a bender and him being missing in action and then completely non-functional for the next few days. You know, maybe he's had a drug addiction and that's been the pattern of behaviour where He's been up days on end, you know, um, highly sexed, you know, wearing you absolutely ragged, wearing you ragged and, you know, and then he's been absolutely non-functional for, for days and, um, yeah, and maybe that's what you've been experiencing and, you know, maybe you need to remind yourself that you're going to be free of that, you know, that what will that be like? What will that be like to be free of having to go through that roller coaster ride. So, or at least, you know, you won't have someone taking money out of your account and, you know, you'll have control back over your money. What's that going to be like? Remind yourself of that. Reminding yourself of things like this, you know, reminding yourself of what freedoms will you get back by leaving? What control will you get back in your life again? And remember, these things are not selfish, okay, because you might be confused and be questioning yourself and thinking, is this selfish of me to want to free myself from all of this? Am I being selfish? No. That's called what it is. It's self-care, okay, and you have a right to care for yourself. If he doesn't know how to treat you right, then you start putting this right by doing what you can to look after yourself. Okay, 
I hope that this helps you to gain more strength to go through the challenges that women face when leaving an abusive relationship and helps you not to make some of the mistakes that will make things much more painful for you when you go through that process. So until next week, take care and stay well, stay safe, sending you lots and lots of love and light and blessings, Sandy. We all go through dark times. When we do, we often feel alone. This is a safe space for you to come and look for some light. I'm a survivor of an abusive relationship and for a long time I had no voice because I was too scared to speak up and speak out about what was happening to me. I couldn't see a light at the end of the tunnel, but when I turned a corner in my life, the light started filtering through and I left my old life behind. I am here now to help other women feel seen, heard and valued. I'm reaching out with my light shining on you to help you find your way out of the darkness. I hope you enjoyed today's episode. A note of encouragement. If you are struggling with your mental health, please reach out for support with some form of counselling. If you don't know where to start to find a counsellor, a good place to start is to talk with your doctor. There are also many online counselling supports available. And a word of advice, if the counsellor is not a good fit for you, try another. And if you need to, try another until you have one that is the right fit for you. Tune in again for the Tiara's Tears and Triumphs podcast, helping women who have been hurt to heal and grow hosted by me sandy j this program provides a safe place to work on inner peace and a strong mindset spells out how to spot the red flags advises on ways to stay safe and work on effective safety planning gives tips on how to look after you when things are tough teaches empowerment strategies acknowledges life's challenges and explores ways to meet these challenges head on to go from surviving to rising to striving and finally to thriving. The show includes interviews with other survivors who have come out the other side who share their stories and insights as well as interviews with therapists and people working in support roles. I am a survivor and I use my experience and skills to help other women like me. Please listen and be uplifted to rise in this safe space where dignity, kindness and compassion are treasured. And don't forget, if you need some support, I am here for you. I don't want any woman to suffer alone in silence. I don't want any woman to feel oppressed and feel that there is no way out. I want you to know that you can turn a corner. 
I am a life change facilitator. I help women regain control over their lives. You can find me at sandyj.com.au. Hey now, can you just pause a moment before you go? Because I need you to share your light and leave a review. Can you just take a quick minute to leave a review in iTunes to let other women know this is a show they can trust? It would mean the world to me if you could help shine a light for someone who can't see the light at the end of their tunnel. I need you to do this for someone else who needs some support and encouragement. If you like this show, please subscribe and you will automatically be updated with future episodes when they are released. And please share this podcast with anyone you know who it might help. Thank you so much for tuning in today. Sending you lots of love and light and above all else, wishing you well. You are brilliant. Keep shining. Stay safe, Sandy.